Hello and welcome back to the podcast Discipleship in Challenging Times. My name is Peter Morden and I'm Senior Pastor Team Leader at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Leeds. For this reflection, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. The title is The Sheep and the Goats, and as we did yesterday, we are thinking about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, we worship you once again for your first coming to us. And we worship you in anticipation for your second coming. And Lord, we ask now that you would come to us today, right here, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us from your word Inform our minds and fire our hearts and change us. Specifically, we ask that we would live in the light of the second coming of our Lord Jesus. We lift these things to you in his name. Amen. So, Matthew 25 and beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when we, did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was ill and in prison, and you did not look after me. 
They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or ill or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Well, today we think about another phrase that is sometimes used in modern speech, the sheep and the goats, specifically separating the sheep and the goats. This has passed into our language as a way of speaking. The sheep are good and the goats are not. Here is its origin on the lips of Jesus and speaking about the final judgment of God. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, has returned. He has come again and he is judging the nations and the sheep go to the right and the goats to the left. I think it's important to pause and just with sorrow Mark, that this is a serious business. There is a judgment to come. And Jesus spoke about that in the parable that we heard about yesterday. And he speaks very explicitly about this here. We don't like to think about judgment. We don't like to think about people being eternally lost. But here it is on the lips of Jesus. And so we need to be aware of this. We need to mark this. We need to know that this is scriptural teaching. And so we have the sheep who go to eternal life and the goats who go to eternal punishment. What are the criteria? Here is something else that can bring us up short because it seems to be what we do. Jesus sets out quite clearly the importance of loving the least, the last, and the lost and doing so in practical ways. And this is the criteria that he seems to be using as he judges the people. Does this contradict the gospel of grace? We're going to be looking at Galatians in the next mini-series that we do when we come to the end of Matthew's gospel. And Galatians is all about the sheer grace of God. Paul is very clear. We are not saved by what we do. Rather, we are saved about what, by what Jesus has done for us. Are Jesus and Paul in disagreement, therefore? That is not the case. We are saved by what Jesus has done. We are saved by what we're about to read in Matthew 27, especially the death of Jesus for us. We are not saved by our works, but by Jesus' work, as it is received by faith. But this is the point. True saving faith is always accompanied by change. 
Here it's serving God's people. Here in Matthew 25, especially those in need. It's not that we're saved by that, but if we are saved by Jesus, if we receive his Holy Spirit into our lives, if we reach out to him in faith, then we will be changed. There will be evidence for our faith. There will be evidence for God's gracious work in our lives. Here is some of the evidence, feeding and clothing the hungry, visiting those in prison especially the focus in this particular set of verses, is on caring for Christian brothers and sisters. And as we bring this reflection to a close, I do want to say a word for those who are persecuted around the world. There are various organisations who are working with Christians who are in fear of their lives simply because they want to worship the Lord Jesus. Open Doors is one such organisation and they produce a watch list every year, countries where Christians are persecuted for their faith. North Korea is right at the top, but there are many other countries as well where it is tough indeed to be a Christian. I encourage you, as I encourage myself, to support all such, but it, perhaps financially, perhaps in prayer, perhaps by taking a special interest in a country. I have a friend who lives in Ethiopia, not going to say his name, but he is really struggling at the moment, living in part of the country where there is persecution for Christian men and women. I pray for him regularly. I believe that I should pray for him more often. Sheep recognize other sheep. Yes, we are saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. It's always accompanied by a changed life, such is characteristic of all of Jesus' true sheep. So let's be open to God's transforming power in our lives. In particular, let's feed and clothe the hungry. Let's reach out to those who are lost and the specific application today. Let's care for Christian brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted. They are our brothers and sisters. They are fellow sheep. May we live differently on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. After that reflection, it would be remiss not to pray for the persecuted church. So let's make that the focus of our prayers today. Lord, we thank you for the words of our Lord Jesus. And we do just want to pause and allow in a sense, the terrible words of Jesus about judgment, terrible in the sense of awesome, serious. Lord, we want to allow these words to penetrate deeply within us. We recognize that there is a judgment to come. 
We thank you for your amazing grace, for the death of Jesus that covers all of our sin. And we pray for those who don't yet know you, some of them our family, our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues, and ask that you would work in their hearts today. And Lord, we recognise from these words and from many other places in Scripture that saving faith is grace from beginning to end, but saving faith, although we're saved by that alone, such faith is never alone. It's always working in transformative ways in our lives. Lord, may there be evidence of our salvation in our lives. And specifically, we pray that you would help us, O Lord, to take a prayerful interest in the persecuted church. Lord, if you're prompting us to give financially, may we do this. If you're prompting us to pray, help us to give ourselves in prayer for our brothers and sisters. Help us perhaps to develop a prayerful interest in a particular country in the world with the help of organisations such as Open Doors or Christian Solidarity Worldwide or the Barnabas Fund, help us to be informed about what is happening, to give, to pray and to love. Particularly, we pray for North Korea today, number one on the Open Doors watch list. For believers who are incarcerated in concentration camps, for believers who are following you in secret, for those who are working in North Korea to bring your gospel. We pray for your protection. We pray for your great and mighty grace. And we pray for fruit from their labours. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.